Amen. Go ahead, have a seat. Ushers are going to come forward. Let's give out how God has given to us because it's all from him. It's all for him. If you're here today and it's your first, second, or third time with us, or you've just never filled out that connection card you were handed as you walked in, uh, fill that out uh, over the next 20 minutes. And then as you head out today, we'll have our welcome table with really nice people on your right-hand side. We've got a gift for you, uh, and you, and uh, we appreciate you being here with us today so much. So today's Mother's Day. We're going to do. Uh, we're going to end a little bit differently. We're going to have our prayer ushers back here uh, on the front, and they want to pray for you. They want to pray a blessing from God into your life. So you don't need to come up and just say your whole life story. Just come up, stand with your hands open, symbolic of receiving a blessing from God. They're going to listen to the Holy Spirit and then pray into your life uh, what they feel like God is saying. It is all good news. We're not going to ask you a ton of hard questions. Uh, It's a day to be blessed. Uh, And so that's how we want to do that. And uh, like I said, it's Mother's Day, so moms, we have a gift for you as you head out today. Uh, You can take a family picture, but also before you get outside, uh, we're going to have some kids in the entryway with flowers. This is our Mother's Day gift for you. So if you're a mom, uh, we'd love it if you took one of those on your way out, and after you get out of here, you can do whatever you want with it. You can plant it, which would be difficult because it's cut, Uh, but it's our gift to you to say uh, Happy Mother's Day. Thanks so much from your church uh, for being a good mom. Uh, Being a mom, obviously, I have no clue uh, about anything of it. Uh, so I asked a lot of questions this week. Uh, and in, in talking with Anna, she, she began to talk to me about the love uh, that God has for moms and the way that God uses kids uh, to, to bring that love into the life of a mom. She says there's nothing like holding your kids uh, and having them tell you uh, how much they love you. It's, there's, there's a level of patience, a level of steadfast perseverance to chase after kids and, and to ha- always have the best response forever with kids that just dads flat out do not have. Like, I don't have that box, that Lego piece in my life. Uh, That doesn't exist for me. But with Anna and with moms, it's different. And sometimes you don't get rewarded for it whatsoever. Kids are bad. They grow up into adults that are bad. And sometimes everything hurts. And if Mother's Day is a day of wounding in your life because of what's happened or what hasn't happened, we believe that God is a God who wants to heal and wants to put back together today. We worship a God who invades our brokenness, who picks us up when we're hurting uh, and puts us back together again. We're going to look over for the next few minutes of how that has happened in Scripture and how we want to see it happen in our lives. But we all know, uh, and we all what I want us to all experience today is God's love for us, uh, even in the areas where there's wounding and even in the areas where there's pain. One area where it did pay off to be a mom uh, was something that my sister and I experienced with my mom when I was in about junior high. Uh, My dad's uh, self-employed, like some of you, and he travels a lot because of that. And when you're self-employed, you know that you can't really make your own rules. And so one year, he had to fly out on Mother's Day, and this wasn't a surprise. Like, he told my sister and me uh, a few weeks out, hey, I'm going to be gone on Mother's Day. We got to do something good for mom because I'm not going to be there to do anything. So my sister and I made the plan that we were going to make lunch for mom. Like, we were going to handle everything. Dad drove us to the store. We made a menu. Uh, We knew what we were going to do. And so we're driving home from church, and all mom can think about is kids are making me lunch. Like, this is going to be great. We told her, you can go do whatever you want. You can work in the garden you want. You can take a bath if you want. It's yours. Enjoy the day. Uh, And so she's thinking about that. And the point where we lived compared to where we went to church was 26 miles away. And a lot of that was freeway, and a lot of that didn't have a lot of things around it on the freeway. So if you're not paying attention, you can get going really fast. So mom was not paying attention uh, until there's a car that's black and white with red and blue lights on the top of it behind her, pulling her over on Mother's Day. Okay, this is not the way that anybody wants to spend Mother's Day. So the cop comes up and asks for license and registration because this was before he had to show insurance. Uh, and she's given him everything. And he goes back, runs her plates and stuff. Comes back and says, kids, 
does your mom always drive like this? And my sister says, no, but my dad does, and he's not here. So mom got off. Uh, and then uh, dad, or the cop asked us, so do you think your mom needs a ticket on Mother's Day? And we said, absolutely not. And the cop said, I agree. And he walked back to his car. I was thinking this first service. How mean do you have to be to give a ticket on Mother's Day? But also, how bad of a driver do you have to be as a mom to get a ticket on Mother's Day? Like, that's your get-out-of-jail-free card. So if you're that bad that you still get a ticket, that's probably not good. But there are things in life where it does pay off to be a mom. And what we're going to look at today, uh, we're going to continue our rampage through 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 4, uh, verses 13 to 18. We're going to look at something that, that applies for all of our lives, uh, moms or not moms, uh, about how God jumps into the darkness and the chaos of our life to bring us to him. And so we're going to go verse by verse through this whole thing and unpack it a little bit. So uh, verse 13. And the first thing we're going to see right away is God's presence and power leading us through difficulty is a normal part of life. God's power leading us through difficulty is a normal part of life. Verse 13, we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. Like we read that right away just in the way that it's written in its context. And we think that this is one of those situations where you look at life and because you have Jesus in your life, everything is fine. And if it's not, man, you screwed up somewhere and you need to fix that. But what's going on there in the verse is, is if you read it in your Bible, it says at the end, that last part is in quotes. I believed in God, so I spoke. Paul, the guy who's writing this book, 2 Corinthians, is quoting back to something that he learned when he was a kid. It's one of the Psalms. It's written by this guy named David who was a king, a warrior king, and emotionally he was all over the place. Some days he thinks everything is awesome, and some days he thinks life is terrible, and he's going to do really mean things to the kids of his enemies. And this guy is writing stories that ended up in the Bible to show how much God is with us when our emotions are here and when our emotions are way down here. God's with us in all this. And so Paul grabs one thing out of what David wrote, and he says, because of my faith, we can say this, I believed in God, so I spoke. If we zoom in on that, that section, and we read it in its original context, it begins to open our eyes to God, who God is in this whole situation. This is Psalm 116, uh, verse 7. It says, let my soul be at rest again, which means that there was a stretch there where it wasn't at rest. For the Lord has been good to me as he has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I believed in you, so I said, there's the part that he quoted, but here's the part that's not quoted. I am deeply troubled, Lord. In my anxiety, I cried out to you. Maybe that's some of us this week. These people are all liars. What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. And what we see here is we see somebody whose life is, is not going the way that Pinterest says it was with those pictures where everything is perfect and Mother's Day is always amazing and every other day is just 100% awesome like all the time. This is a moment where, where he says, I, like, I'm, my soul is finally at rest again, which means that previously it wasn't, which means he's got people coming after him, which means he's got things that are not going well, which means it looks a lot like our lives sometimes. And we see here that God's presence and power leading us through difficulty is a normal part of life. We talk about shape journals often because it's the way that we read the Bible and let the Bible speak to us. And today in James 1, or earlier this week in James 1, we see James, the brother of Jesus, writing that consider it pure joy when you experience hardships. Because that leads us into being the people that God created us to be. God doesn't waste pain in any one of our lives. 
Instead, he uses that as a catalyst to bring us from being the people that we are to being the people that he created it to be, created us to be. It's so easy to look at life, and, and when we go through hard times, which I'm not trying to minimize whatsoever, but we think, God, you've abandoned me. You look at scripture and the pattern throughout about people experiencing hard times as they follow Jesus, is those are the moments not where God has abandoned us, but where God is working on us. If we think that a life with Jesus is just going to lead us to life perfect forever, we are following the wrong Messiah, the wrong Savior, the wrong King. But what Jesus is going to do is he's going to use our hard times to work on us, to knock away the things in our life that, that peace and structure don't always do. There's an old pastor who's dead now. He's got a great saying, the best time to hear God's voice is when everything is perfect. The only time is when the only time the only time better is when everything is chaotic, and the, the difficulties in our lives turn up God's voice for us to be able to hear Him, and be shaped into the people that He created us to be. Next thing that we see is that the good news frees us to think about more than our immediate comfort. Verse fourteen: We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to Himself together with you. The good news, that's the good news that God raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, it frees us to think about more than our immediate comfort because in our life, so many things, we're trained to, to celebrate, to respond to stuff that works right now. All right, we, we think about pictures, right? The generations before us, they took very few pictures compared to what we take. And so those pictures mean something. Like you look through a photo album with somebody who's decades older than you and the picture's like, this is the home that grandma and grandpa bought when grandpa came back from the war. We have one picture of this thing, and it's right here in this book. This is your uncle who was born, and they had to take a cart to the hospital. And you look at our pictures, it's like, that's breakfast. There's another picture of breakfast. There's a picture of shoes that I liked. Why don't you have them? Because I didn't buy them. Here's another picture of me. Here's a picture of me, 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 the kids and me breakfast. Like pictures just don't translate from then to now. And it's one of those things where the good news, what it does, where the picture, the, the story of Jesus, it frees us to think about more than just now. Because the good news is the good news of God invading our life to bring us to him. Because when you were born, before you'd ever done anything or taken a selfie or anything, God loved you. Your life, your identity, who you are is stamped with love by God. And you will never wash off that stamp it's never going to go up. It's never going to go down. You flat out always are, always will be loved by God. And that love that God has for each one of us is an eyes open, accurate love, which means that he sees all the unlovely things that we do. And the Bible calls them sin. And so we agree with that. In my life, in the life of everyone that you see here today, there is sin. And what Jesus did that was so exceptional exceptional is that as that sin pushes us away from God and makes us unacceptable to God because God is completely sinless and can never be in the presence of sin what Jesus did that was so foundational to everything was Jesus came into the world to live without ever sinning so that he could give his life as an offering for all of our sin so that when God looks at you and me he doesn't see our sin he sees Jesus's perfection painted over our sin so God looks at us as people that he loves, sees Jesus' perfection painted over our lives because Jesus traded place with us. He took on all of our sins so we could take on all of his perfection. And as we make the decision to become a Christian, to ask for God's forgiveness in our life, that's when the painting happens. That's when the exchange happens. And the good news then frees us to think about more than what's going on right here because the good news shapes our eternity. 
God can't be in the presence of sin, so when Jesus looks at us, when God looks at us and he sees Jesus' perfection, Jesus' sinlessness painted over us, we now have a relationship with God here on earth and in eternity. That means that this life is the worst life we will ever know because one day we're gonna die and we're gonna go be with Jesus if we're Christians. If you're not a Christian, then, then we stand on Jesus' own words. He talked about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. That this life is the best life you'll ever experience because after this life is, is separation from God for all eternity. It's what Alex talked about a few minutes ago. It's spending eternity in a place that the Bible calls hell. And the message of the Bible, the mission of the church is to invite as many people as possible into an eternal relationship with Jesus through the cross. The good news frees us to live out our lives knowing that, knowing two things. One, that every single difficulty that we face in this life is one heartbeat from being gone. Every single difficulty that we will face in this life is one heartbeat from being gone. Because when we die as Christians, we go to heaven. And that also means that every single, diff- every single pleasure in this life is one heartbeat from being gone. This shapes us to experience brokenness, to experience difficulty, to walk through it knowing that God has a mission for us on the other side and has a mission through it to grow us into being more like him even as we walk through the disaster. You think about it, the way that Paul wrote that verse, it says, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus that's raising from the dead. Jesus didn't just barefoot water ski, which he did sometimes. He like walked on water to get to people. He didn't just barefoot water ski and then go on some invisible ski jump to go up to heaven and never ever suffer anything on earth. He suffered more than we will ever imagine physically so that God could raise him from the dead. And this is our reminder to not live focused on everything here, but to live focused on eternity because it's through abandoning immediate comfort. It's through walking through the the difficulties of life, knowing that Jesus will pull us out on the other side. And sometimes that means pulling us out on the other side after we're dead. And the good news frees us to think about more than immediate comfort and frees us to think about the life we have ahead of us and not just everything here. And so knowing all this, with all this behind us, we invest in the future knowing that today's whatever won't last for forever. Today's difficulties won't last for forever. Today's heartache, hardships, pain won't last for forever. But instead it's temporary and this life that we have here is used to be invested in numerous things. The first thing is we invest in people meeting Jesus and growing in their relationship with him. Next verse, it says, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. We're built as Christians to let everything that God puts in us spill out from us. Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven after he'd already died. That's where the invisible ski jump into heaven happened. He said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. That's a blessing. Therefore, go into all the world and make disciples of everyone everywhere. So we're blessed to go out and be a blessing and to spill out into other people's lives, specifically people who don't yet know Jesus. I love hoarders. All right, people who have 45 crockpots and trash inside their house and all that stuff, I, I love them because it's just a life that I do not know. I throw away everything that I can, even if it means that we have to buy that thing that I just threw away last week again, because I love clean, I love stuff being taken care of. Uh, we, like, you watch the hoarder TV and you see hoarder pictures online, and I'm just like, Ugh. Uh, This week we were watching a show, and the cops were going to arrest a hoarder. And I'm like, yes, this is the best thing ever. And it turned out to be really, really bad. But... Uh, For us as Christians, we are not meant to hoard anything. 
everything that we get goes to somebody else. It's like the person that you may or may not or may know or may not know and just see pictures online who has like 45 crockpots in their kitchen. Right? That's like 40 too many. Everything is meant to be given away to somebody. You grow up and spend time reading God's word or have experiences where God provides for you, where you never thought it'd be possible. Those are things for you not just to hoard and to let build up in your life and just be, make a mess of your house and make it totally un, unlivable. Instead, these are things to be garage sailed out to other people as fast as possible. That's one of the reasons why we encourage people to read the Bible. That's one of the reasons why we talk about investing in the lives of kids early so that they grow up being distribution centers of God's love into other people's lives. We invest in people who don't yet know Jesus so that they can grow in their relationship with him. I love getting to see that in, in my kids. Anna does an awesome job of leading the girls to follow Jesus as normal people in 2019. Uh, when Ellie started kindergarten, she's like five at this point, comes home one day and tells us about this girl in her class that she really likes. Her name's Sweden, and uh, Sweden didn't know Jesus. And one day at lunch, she prayed with Sweden on the playground and led her to Jesus at school as a kindergartner. Like, this is a good thing for us to start as early as possible is growing our kids up in their relationship with Jesus. And that never, ever stops. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But we invest in people meeting Jesus and growing in their relationship with him. Next is we invest in growing spiritually through every circumstance. Verse 16, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Every day, I like that word right there because it means that our spirits can be renewed every single day. Today is probably not going to look like tomorrow or yesterday. It's different. And what God is saying here is our spirits are going to be renewed every day. He's saying, I've got a plan for you every single day. And that doesn't happen naturally. Us growing in our relationship with God doesn't happen naturally. I, th- this week, one of, uh, one of the Sunnyside Second Service people uh, posted two pictures of Arnold Schwarzenegger. One of them was right after he won Mr. Universe as a very young guy, and he's wearing a Speedo, and he's being all buff and stuff. And the other one, uh, he was wearing a Speedo like a month ago. And a lot has changed in that body over the decades between picture one and picture two. And uh, it haunted me for days. Raul, you know who you are. Our bodies and our lives are going to drift toward depending less and less on God. And unless we say, okay, I'm going to let every day be an opportunity for God uh, to speak to me, we're, we're, going to, we're going to miss out on growth opportunities. That means that we do things ourselves, and we also want to fund and make other ministry happen. There's an organization here in Fresno called the Pregnancy Care Center, and what they do is they care for and work with people, specifically women, but they all do the whole family, uh, who are in the middle of an unplanned pregnancy. It is a culture of life there. They do not do any abortions whatsoever. What they do is they come alongside women who are stuck in a situation that they don't know what to do with, and they support them in every single way possible with prenatal visits, with vitamins, uh, with, with uh, stuff that you need for bringing a baby into your home. And as Mountain View Church, as Sunnyside being part of Mountain View Church, uh, we are a big supporter of them. As you walked in today and then as you walk out, there are a bunch of baby bottles on your left. Uh, and our fundraiser for them is to pick up a baby bottle now, fill it with a check, cash, or coins, and then bring it back on Father's Day. Because we want to give in, we want to give towards people experiencing spiritual growth uh, in every circumstance, especially the circumstance of I've got I'm pregnant and I didn't expect it to be this way. 
And we want to see babies experience life where so many other things in our culture are not behind that. We want to create a culture of life here in Fresno uh, through organizations like the Pregnancy Care Center. We also want to grow in our own lives spiritually. This is kind of like when you're on an airplane and they say, put on your, put on your own oxygen mask before you help other people. We spend time praying. We spend time reading the Bible. We spend time around other Christians being pushed to do better following God than we did yesterday. And we're going to grow in our lives spiritually. Next thing is we invest now so we have a godly legacy to pass on to the next generation. Verse 17, our present troubles are small and they won't last long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. There, there's two, set, two halves of that verse. And one talks about uh, troubles that are small and won't last very long. And the second half talks about a glory that is huge and will last for forever. And for us, one day we're all going to be gone. All right, I'm going to be a memory here. You are going to be a memory in the places where you have influence. But we all want staying behind us after we're gone, a legacy of holiness, a legacy of making a difference, a legacy of loving people that didn't love us back and bringing the good news of Jesus into every situation. If you're here and you're a mom or even if you're not, you can cheat off of their paper for this. Uh, there are two, there's a concrete way that, that we work this out in our family and I was asking Anna about this. And then there's one that's kind of more free-flowing and it depends on the situation. One thing we do with our kids every single night to pass on this legacy of godliness uh, is we read a Bible story every night. And if you're looking at some of the stuff in the Old Testament, you're like, that would be a really bad story um, because they're tent stakes and she drove it through his head. And how do you, like, good night, sleep well. Um, but, but we read the Jesus Storybook Bible to the kids every night. You can buy it for 16 bucks on Amazon. And there's really cool pictures, and every single story points to Jesus. It's great, even if they happen thousands of years before him. Uh, and so what we do every night with the kids is we snuggle up in bed uh, and read them a story. And now that Eden is 11 and Ellie is 9, we'll read a story, and then they will read a story. It's something that we do every day to remind them, hey, we live for Jesus, and Jesus wants to empower us for big things. That's a concrete thing that we do every day. But as you know, as all of us know, spiritual issues don't always happen at night right before bed. They usually happen throughout the day. And so one thing that, that we do that we talk about uh, is we kind of go through life with the remote in hand. All right? If you're watching TV and there's something that pops up, either you'll change the channel or you pause the TV and talk about how this happens and this might not be something uh, that God wants and then you change the channel. But you don't just run away from society, you pause and you talk about it. So in our house, there's a lot of things where we will pause reality and say, okay, let's talk about this. What does Jesus say about this? What does Jesus say about that? How do you think we should be acting in this situation? How do you think we can care for other people around us in this situation? For us as parents, or even not parents, if you've got somebody who you think might be behind you in following Jesus, they're your responsibility to invest in and to deposit in their lives a legacy of following Jesus. And that means that sometimes you have to look like the bad guy. Sometimes you have to say, we're not going to do that as a family. I don't think you should do this in your life. This isn't the way that God has us to do. And that's the path of being a spiritual leader, is sometimes being the bad guy. If you only wanted to drive, or only wanted to take people where they want to go in life, Uber is hiring and you can go work for them. But if you want to see people grow in their life spiritually, sometimes that means being the bad guy. But what it always means is investing in people's lives uh, with a legacy that's passed on to the next generation. And then lastly, we invest empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a blessing in our world. Verse 18, it says, we don't look at the troubles that we can see. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen 
For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And that's where God comes in, right? You can't control everything. I can't control everything. I can't tell you what tomorrow is going to look like, but God does. And so we live our lives in glad submission to him under his control, under his authority. And that's why we're ending today with, uh, with family blessings, is to ask God, okay, God, what do you want to say to my family today? What's the good news? What's the encouraging thing that you want to say to us today? Because investing in the next generation, investing in the people that we're trying to shape and mold, we do that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we want to be a blessing to our world, our house, our workplace, our life, and just the people who happen to get stuck around us. We want to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, which God uses to encourage us, to build us up, and to make us more like him. Let's stand and let's pray.